64 yards. Running back is Fleet Davis. He has the handoff. A big hole left side. He gets into the red zone for the 20, 15, 10, for a touchdown. McFarland, I beg your pardon, the touchdown on a 26-yard scamper, and Maryland has driven it right down the field, 75 yards, and they have scored a touchdown. Second and a long six out of the pistol. It's a play action for Annexted. Lofts it over the middle, and it's intercepted, and this could be a pick six. Down the sideline is Trey Watson, centers the football, it is a touchdown. They tried to find Coquille, and Maryland, instead of Minnesota, has scored to start this third quarter. Coquille was running that flag, and now penalty markers come down. This will be unsportsmanlike on the celebration. about you Tony Landry you're not going to let us wallow in the negativity as you were looking for positive highlights from yesterday's Gophers loss 42 to 13 and really struggled to find some you go you know what I'm not going to beat my head into the wall I'm not going to put myself between a rock and a hard place whatever cliche I'm just going to go back to last week or was that two weeks ago against Fresno State no that was the Red Hawks that was the Red Hawks I'm going to go back to last week with a good defensive play and remember the days where our defense the Golden Gopher defense was swarming, running to the ball, aggressive, attacking, getting people in their own end zone for a safety. We're not going to worry about what happened yesterday. Here's the college towns I heard yesterday, and I just told you this. Bethesda, <laughs> Chevy Chase, Silver Springs, Landover. I heard all of those as people were texting me yesterday, like, ooh, tough day in Bethesda, as you said this morning. I was actually College Park, and no matter where you were in Maryland yesterday, if you're a fan of the Gopher football program, it was a tough day. This is called Gopher Football Sunday. We're here until 9 o'clock before Dan Barrero takes over. If you're new to the program, basically, a couple of years ago, we said the Vikings take over the town on Sunday, as they have for basically 50 years. Makes a lot of sense. The most popular team in town. But we are the home for the Gophers, and they usually play on Saturday. So we're going to uh, make sure we get them some love before the town turns purple, and thus Gopher Football Sunday was born. We've had some good moments. We've had some nice shows. We've had some nice stretches. A couple of four-game winning streaks in the Big Ten. A New Year's Day Bowl for the first time in 50 years or something like that. And then we've had some bad moments as well. Had a couple of games in Michigan that didn't go very well. Had a couple of games in Nebraska that didn't go very well. We have a game in Maryland now that did not go very well. As the Gophers lose 42-13 on the road in their Big Ten opener. They fall to 3-1 on the season. They have a bye week, which I think hopefully will come at a good time to use that coaching cliche. Hopefully we'll come at a good time when it comes to one particular injury, which we'll talk about. But what we do on this show, first of all, Ryan Burns joins in about 10, 15 minutes from gopherillustrated.com. We also take phone calls, tweets, emails if you'd like. Bradshaw and Brian inbox is booth at kfan.com. I am sitting in front of it this morning. 
So it's much easier for me to uh, check the Bradshaw and Brian inbox. You can also tweet me at JGKFAN. You know the phone numbers, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, what we didn't like of the game yesterday, as I wrote down on the plane, almost all of it, basically 95% of it, we did not like in Bethesda yesterday. When you lose 42-13, when you give up hundreds of yards to a team that had trouble moving the ball at all just a week prior, even though there were a couple of reasons why they uh, didn't move the ball well against Temple, losing at home, Uh there's really not a ton to like. We can get to the, the freshman wide receivers at some point today because that was really the only thing positive that came out of it, right? The fact that Rashad Bateman had a pretty good game and the fact that Chris Ottman bell probably had his best game as a gopher. Other than that, not a lot there. After getting two first downs through three quarters a week ago, Maryland yesterday had two drives of 90 yards plus. It's hard to do a 90-yard drive, especially against a defense that had been playing pretty well, that was the strength of this team, and if they win games moving forward, will continue to be the strength of this team. The defensive numbers are alarming and startling. Maryland had eight plays of 20 yards or more. Six of those plays went for touchdowns, and as I look at the drive sheet again today, this morning, 26-yard touchdown, 81-yard touchdown, 54-yard touchdown, 36-yard touchdown return off of an interception, 64-yard run, 21-yard run. It all adds up to 42-13. to It all adds up to the first Big Ten loss for the Gophers. Here's the most alarming of all of that that kind of stopped me when I read it yesterday, and I think it's true. I'll be honest, I didn't double-check it, but I, and it feels like it was true. Maryland scored all these touchdowns having never run a play from the red zone yesterday. I don't think they ever, Oof. they never had to advance the ball inside the Gophers 20 yard line and run a play. They got inside the 20 yard line and then the 15, the 10, and the 5 and a touchdown. But they, I'm almost positive it's correct. I'll double check it maybe during a break. But I know this, they didn't spend a lot of time there. And it's because they didn't need to. They got explosive play after explosive play after explosive play. And everybody knows me, knows that I'm big picture guy. I've been talking all season that, you know, I think the the ceiling for this team was probably six, maybe seven wins, counting probably yesterday as a victory. I could see a legitimate path there. You know, I never thought this was an eight or nine win club. I think just offensively we saw the limitations again yesterday. And the, the most alarming part of the, the whole thing is, and, and what I'm worried about long-term for this particular season is that it was pretty clear standing there on the field, and obviously the numbers bearing it out, against legitimate Big Ten teams. And I define a Big Ten team, I think of like, I don't know if it's like the old school Big Ten, but when I define Big Ten team, I think of big offensive line, physical defensive line. Basically what I watched last night when I got home, Iowa and Wisconsin, where you've got experience up front on both sides, you've got physicality up front on both sides, and there are three or four of those teams that the, the Gophers are going to play this year. Obviously, Ohio State's one of them. Obviously, Wisconsin's one of them. Obviously, Iowa's going to be one of them. And I did not expect, maybe it's because we don't see Maryland a whole lot, I did not expect Maryland to be one of those teams that was going to out-physical the Gophers. And on both sides of the ball, they absolutely did. And as I said yesterday in the pregame show, you look at their offensive line, Maryland, they have 90 starts, 90-plus career starts on the offensive line. When I saw that, I said, well, that could be interesting because I know the limitations on the defensive line the Gophers have, 
I know how small they are. I also know how, besides maybe one and a half guys, Jared Weiler and, and Donnell Green, this offensive line is not there yet. And we saw that painfully yesterday. And so that's the most concerning thing moving forward is up front, and you're going to hear from P.J. Fleck here in a minute or two, up front they were pretty much owned on both sides. You look at how the, the, they struggled to move the ball, how they struggled to protect Anikstead, how Maryland was able to just gash them for big play after big play. A lot of that has to do with the play up front, and that's the most concerning thing moving forward. You can obviously see where it's going in terms of the skill position, uh, especially on offense. Uh, but defensively, they have a lot of guys, even if Antoine Winfield go out, they've had a lot of guys that have played a while, and, and that's my concern moving forward is even going back to last year, being able to stop these Big Ten offenses with these Big Ten offensive lines that, that want to run the ball and want to just move you and don't really care how they do it, that is the, the most concerning thing moving forward. We'll take some calls in a minute. We'll hear from Ryan Burns in a minute, but we always replay my conversation with P.J. Fleck from after the game. Kind of quick today, uh, kind of quick yesterday, I mean. Um, and I started it out when you get down 14-0 and you kind of have to claw your way back the whole game. It just felt like one of those games where until the dam burst, really with that pick six to start the second half, you were always kind of chasing the Maryland Terrapins. Once you get down 14 points, you're always chasing you know, the big explosive 80-yard run. Um, one person not in his gap, that's what happens, like option football. And uh, our young guy just wasn't in there. You know, he got put in a tough situation, and, and um, I didn't coach him up well enough to understand what he was doing, so that, that, that falls on me 100%. And, um, you know, we start the first drive, big third and long, and they get the big third and long, or cut it to a fourth and short, get the fourth and short, then they score. Um, we get off the field there, it's a different game, you know, but we're, we were down 14 nothing before we knew what happened to us, changes the way you look at your game plan, changes uh, the urgency of different things, um, and uh, you know that's that's kind of the story of the game. You got to give them a lot of credit. They're a really good football team uh, when, when there's options all around and they have the skill everywhere. Uh, again, one guy out of position, they didn't beat themselves tonight. You know, a few times, whether it's Temple or last week, they beat themselves. They turned the ball over a ton. Uh, they didn't do that at all tonight. They didn't give us one opportunity to take advantage of. That way, we're turning the ball over, and uh, you got to give them a lot of credit. Defensively, the word you've used all season and long is you guys have been pretty sound, which I think is being in the right spot, knowing where you're supposed to be, all of those things. So besides the fact that Maryland has a bunch of playmakers, like you mentioned, what do you think the differences were from the first three weeks to today in terms of that? Well, I thought we were sound in a lot of areas. You know, uh, again, four or five plays, and if you're not sound the whole game, you're going to pay the price. And we weren't sound in four or five plays. We weren't in our gap, or we missed the tackle. We had a guy there, and he just missed the tackle. But again, it's option-type football, so there's only one guy to make that play. Everybody else has their responsibilities. And they pigeonhole you a little bit that way, and that's how they got Texas. That's how they do. They pigeonhole you. One guy makes a, a, a mistake or misses a tackle because that's a few things. It wasn't just a misassignment. It was a missed tackle, and uh, they were all out the gate. So, What do you think Zach and the rest of your offense struggled with today, and then what do they take from this experience? Uh, I thought there was a lot of good. Uh, young players played really well in times uh, in terms of there was a lot of good on that. Uh, on that film, will be a lot of good on the film. There was really good on the field, and then there was some horrible. Horrific film, horrific football. Um, up front, I didn't think we played particularly well. I got to look at the film, but um, you know, too much pressure on the quarterback always, and you know, he's not healthy as it is, 100%. So, you know, when you're a true freshman, you haven't been in that position, you haven't been on the road, and you're kind of hurt, and you're getting pressure on you. Um, 
you know, it's a tough position for him to be in. He's going to learn. We're going to grow. The one thing about this whole thing is we're going to learn and grow. This young team is going to grow up. There's going to be failings along the way. There's going to be things that hurt a lot, and it should hurt um, because they care. One thing about that team is they care, and it hurts. But uh, we have to talk about refuse to lose versus wanting to win. Tonight was a want to win, and uh, that's inexcusable. So you have a bunch of young guys, and now we're going through their first real adversity on the field in terms of losing. How do you handle that the next week or so with, with a long time to think about it before your next game against Iowa? Well, how we handle everything. You know, there's a lot of good from the film. There's a lot of bad from the film. we got to grow up. Uh, we've got to be able to take the things we didn't do well, change them, fix them, make them better for, for two weeks from now. We have to get healthy. Um, you know, we've got to get some guys back. Um, when you lose two of your best leaders, our offensive leader, Rodney Smith, and now Antoine Winfield Jr., you're leaving. It's a lot of young kids who haven't led much to really lead that football team. Um, but we just got to do what we do. We've got to watch the film. We've got to get better. We've got to continue to see what these young guys can and cannot do. Put them in the best position to be successful um, and get healthy. Along those lines, is it too early to know anything about Antoine, or will you find out when you get home? Uh, you know, he didn't come back for the whole game, so you know, it's, it's something that's probably a little bit uh, maybe not not worse than you intend. But if he didn't come back in, then it's something serious that you know. So we've got to take a look at it. it happened, I think, the second play of the game. Yeah. Um, but again, it's one of those things you got to kind of look at. Um, you know, hopefully he gets back. But that's why this bye week comes at a really good time for all of us. Uh, but this is their first major adversity of the year. Uh, they've had adversity in games, but now it's the loss. Uh, you know, we're 3-1. and one, And, uh, you know, I mean, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. We're going to get better. We're going to go right back to work tomorrow. And we're going to make sure that there's so many learning opportunities from this football game, and that's how we're going to attack it. Head coach P.J. Fleck, he was right about one thing. The uh, sun did come up. It looks like a beautiful day here in Minneapolis. A beautiful day to enjoy. 73 and sunny. Vikings, Bills. Uh, horrific foot would be the headline of that interview, and I think anybody that watched it and was there would agree. There were a couple of nice things, and as the head coach said, uh, some of it was absolutely horrific. Let's sneak in one phone call before we get to Ryan Burns. Let's go to Minneapolis and talk to Pete. Good morning, Pete. Hey, good morning. Um, you know, I thought this was going to be different, but it's not. It's you know, I've seen this movie so many times where Gophers look really good in the preseason, whether it be under Kill or Mason or Brewster, and then. They get to the Big Ten, and you have all these high hopes, and boom, it's just like the air's out of the balloon. Because I, I was actually legitimately thinking they could go 9-3. and three. Ooh. Yeah, well, I thought, you know, they for sure would lose to Wisconsin or Ohio State because they were on the road, and then they got another tough road game. I forget who, but uh, I, I figured they would lose at Nebraska, but Nebraska's nothing, as we could see from yesterday. We did see that yesterday. Well, thanks for the call, Pete. I would say uh, I, I did not share that optimism of 9-3 and three going into the season. That might have been part of the problem. I mean, you do need to look at as I said before the P.J. Fleck interview, you got to look at what they're doing up front and what has happened up front the last three or four years. And we can talk to Ryan Burns about that when we come back. Um, but they've got, they've still got work to do, especially in the Big Ten. I mean, it's it's the oldest cliche ever, but the the offensive and defensive lines are what you know when when Mace was had the thing going, when Kill had the thing going, it was because of really good offensive line play, among other things, and in Kill and Clay's play, case, really good defense. And they're not there yet. They've recruited pretty well the last couple of years, as Bernsey will tell us, when it comes to refortifying the offensive line. But we saw yesterday that they're not there yet. Um, when you compare elsewhere in the Big Ten, the number of starts that people have, the, the level of size that people have, I, I don't know if I missed that or if I just didn't think about that enough, but it hit me in the face yesterday as I was watching the line play on both sides. That To me, for my eyes, and people may have seen it differently, it was just uh, two real different teams up front, and that's where 
they have to make up the ground. They're making up the ground in terms of the skill position players. They've got some pieces defensively. Hopefully Winfield's not hurt that long. But in terms of what's going on up front, that's where they're going to have to fix it. That's where they're going to have to get better. That's where they're going to have to improve. This is Gopher Football Sunday. We're brought to you, as always, by Goldie's Locker Room and Kerry Limo. We'll see what Ryan Burns had to say, or has to say, and thought about the ball game yesterday when we come back. This is Gopher Football Coach P.J. Fleck. You're listening to the radio home of Gopher Football, KFAN. Skyuma! <laughs> Programming this morning brought to you by your Twin Cities Honda dealers. Second and a long six out of the pistol. It's a play action for Annexted. Lofts it over the middle and is intercepted, and this could be a pick six. Down the sideline is Trey Watson. Centers the football. It is a touchdown. They tried to find Coquif, and Maryland, instead of Minnesota, has scored to start this third quarter. Coquif was running that flag, and now penalty markers come down. This will be unsportsmanlike on the celebration. And if Wayne Larrabee, not Mike Grimm, was doing the play-by-play on the Gopher Radio Network, you may have heard, there is your dagger. That pick six, basically to start the second half, made it 28-10. And after a little Gopher's mini-run to at least keep them within striking distance right before the half, with Rashad Bateman's first touchdown of his career, 21-10, that pretty much made it a fait accompli that the Gophers were going to lose the game in College Park, Maryland, to talk about it, react to it, where we go from here. Our buddy Ryan Burns from GopherIllustrated.com. Good morning, Burnsy. Good morning. Are you ready to work through this game? <laughs> step by step, point by point. I've got your story. I read it last night. Uh, the five things that stood out, five takeaways from the Gophers' disappointing loss in Maryland. And I think your number one would be my number one, Burnsy, because I, I understood that the offense is always going to be a work in progress with a freshman quarterback and a lot of freshman wide receivers and some offensive linemen kind of getting there first crack at it and first crack together and coming back from injuries in in various cases uh, when it comes to a guy like Jared Weiler. Uh, But defensively, we've said this a million times, they've got upperclassmen there. They've got dudes over there. And to watch Maryland almost go take us back to 2017 is what you said uh, in terms of running the ball. That was one of the more alarming things yesterday is that big play after big play, and they really, outside of a couple possessions, had no answer for it. It was the same story, different year. Minnesota's running defense in the non-conference looks very good. They hold opponents to under four yards of carry. They beat a good Fresno State team who just slapped UCLA across the face two weeks ago. And then come Maryland, the defense just falls apart. Last year, Maryland runs for over 200 yards on six yards of carry at TCF Bank Stadium. And then yesterday, it's even worse. Maryland rushes for over 300 yards, and their running backs alone go for over 250, and the most concerning part about it, Maryland running backs yesterday ran for over 10 yards a carry. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm only halfway through watching back the game, but it's clear that Antoine Winfield going out with, unfortunately, going back and being able to watch it, it's a non-contact foot injury, not feeling great about that, especially as Flex said that, he was ruled out immediately. Winfield's one of the toughest guys in the team in terms of playing through injuries. So the fact that he couldn't go doesn't give me a ton of optimism that he's going to be ready in two weeks' time for Iowa. But Minnesota's defense just was not gap sound. Too many times you saw a linebacker either out of position. You had Thomas Barber and Blake Cashman in the same hole. Well, the hole they were in, the running back wasn't in. His running back's got a full head of steam, gets Jordan Howden one-on-one a true freshman walk-on at safety, 
and it's 81 yards of the house. It just this defense, and I asked Rob Smith about it during the week, Minnesota's defensive coordinator. I posed the question, 2017, your run defense was looked good, and conference play came, and it was a different story. What changes? And his answer to me was, you can't compare the two years. Well, it's tough to not compare the two years when this team continues to struggle against the run. And if you could struggle against the run in the Big Ten, it's likely not going to go well for you. What, why are they struggling so much against and, and And is there anything they can do to fix it? Because if you look at the splits from a year ago, Grimm talks about this all the time, the five games they won, they they held teams to like fewer than 100 rushing yards. I think then there was two games, Iowa and maybe one other, where they didn't in two of the losses. But then in the rest of the losses, they were giving up basically what they did yesterday. You know, the other five losses, they were giving up 250, 300 yards rushing, things like that. I mean, is there something that can be done schematically to fix it? Is there something that can be done personnel-wise to fix it? It just seems like, uh, like you said, same story, different year. And I'm concerned how they figure it out, given who they're playing and and you know, a guy like Carter Coughlin, you know, being a defensive lineman, you know, just kind of getting swallowed up yesterday. That kind of stuff concerns me long term when you consider who else they're going to play this season. I think the the long term fix is Fleck going into <clears throat> this recruiting class needed to address the defensive line, and Minnesota has something absurd like seven or eight defensive line commits. They have like five defensive tackle commits, and. When you're running out guys like Sam Renner in the Big Ten against the run, and no offense to Sam Renner, he works hard. He's rewarded with a scholarship in the spring game. He's a great kid, but running out Sam Renner opposed to O.J. Smith out there, you're going to have a clear drop in play because I thought O.J. Smith, the Alabama defensive tackle transfer, played well in Minnesota's first series. And then Minnesota takes him off the field for about six plays, and Maryland's running offense is able to continue to go. The thing that's concerning to me about this 2018 team right now on the defensive line is that it is a one-man show by Carter Coughlin, and he's essentially a converted linebacker. Right. Carter Coughlin has four sacks and five-and-a-half tackles for loss. The rest of the Gopher defensive line through four games has zero sacks and one tackle for loss. That is extremely concerning to me, considering there's eight Big Ten games yet to go. And guys aren't just making plays there. And that was the issue yesterday is defensive linemen get out of their gaps and linebackers aren't flowing the right way. And Minnesota can't stop the run because of it. Now, there's a lot of different shifts in motions that Minnesota had to keep their eye on. It seemed like they were confused at times. So this, when you look at the Iowa game in two weeks, it's going to be a completely different offense that you're going to have to go against. But this team just got out physical yesterday, and that's going to happen with 59 freshmen. But on the defensive side of the ball, like you, like you mentioned, you're looking at a lot of upperclassmen there. Outside of a couple guys in the secondary, you're running out Blake Cashman, Thomas Barber, Kamal Martin, Royal Silver, uh, Carter Coughlin. I mean, these are guys that have played Big Ten football, and Minnesota continues to struggle. Rob Smith's got to get this defense cleaned up. Ryan Burns, GopherIllustrated.com, joining me here on the Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care Hotline. This is Gopher Football Sunday on the fan. Dan uh, Barrero takes over in about a half an hour for Sunday sermons. How, okay, we've talked defensive line. We've talked how, how that gets better. Uh, the other deal yesterday, offensive line, very few running holes, very few clean pockets for Anikstad, who really can't get around. I mean, we've been saying it for two weeks. I get why they're keeping him in there, and I get why he's playing to work through some stuff and get him the experience. But, I mean, he can't get himself out of any trouble like he did the first couple of weeks before he got injured. Um, so how do they 
get around an offensive line that that got very little push yesterday and provided very little protection. It's you know it's a it's a stark reminder that less than 15 months ago during spring ball of PJ Flex first year in 2017, Minnesota had four healthy offensive linemen. Now they're fielding an offensive line that has a lot more capable bodies. They're starting three underclassmen, but this is an offensive line that I think started the game pretty okay. And then as the game went on, Maryland just continued to punch him in the mouth, and Zach Annex did pay the price for it, and so did the Minnesota running game. The most concerning part about yesterday's lack of pass protection is that I counted three plays so far in the first half where Maryland rushed three guys, and all three of them within three seconds got pressure on Anakson. That mm-hmm. is simply unacceptable. You can't rush three guys and you have five guys to block it and all three get home to the quarterback. That's just it's disease, I think <laughs> is the best way to put it. And this is an offensive line that needs to become a lot more physical. Like I said, they are starting three underclassmen. I was extremely concerned about two guys specifically yesterday. Jesse Anabonum, someone that had five pressures and two tackles for loss yesterday. And he just gave Sam Schluter fits. Sam Schluter has just been a big work in progress in pass protection at right tackle. Minnesota really needs to get him right going into the Iowa game because he is one of the biggest culprits on this pass protection unit that has been struggling to keep Zach Anikson clean because Zach Anikson, I think his ankle was okay, probably 90% coming into the game. But then in the first half, he's already taken seven hits, getting bent back. And it's re-aggravating this ankle injury. So he, Zach needs to get 100%. Hopefully over this bye week he's able to. But this offensive line just needs to play so much more physical than what they showed. And Again, how much of that do you want to put on the fact that they're young and inexperienced? Three of their starters are. Well, there's two other guys in Jared Weiler and Donnell Green that I don't think played particularly well yesterday. Right. So there's just a, a mismatch of things that need to come together for this entire team to get better. When Zach Anikson, I think, had a clean-ish pocket yesterday, he continues to make accurate throws. But the issue is, too many times you saw Zach Anikson with a free runner in his face or pressure right in his face, and he's thrown off his back foot. The kid is tired of getting hit, so he's thrown off his back foot. And I, I mean, for a, a true freshman... I can't blame him. It's not like Zach Annex has played 20-plus games in the Big Ten and you're expecting him to stand tall. Well, this kid, all he knows so far is that pressure's getting in his face and he's got he doesn't he's tired of getting hit. Well, and the amazing thing, Burnsy, is for a, for a stretch, really until the last drive of the first half when they went to Bateman a couple of times and he made a couple of really nice catches, including the even the, the one maybe before the touchdown was, was nicer than the actual touchdown, which was awesome. And Ottman Bell obviously made a couple of ridiculous catches, and almost I think uh, I think uh, Daryl called it, or maybe Grim called it, a spectacular incompletion on that one third down. Until the, that last drive of the first half, the Gophers' best offense was just drawing pass interference penalties because that they couldn't get anything going. And you you kind of hit on it. The the disappointing part is I do believe that when Anixet has just a little bit of time and can kind of step in and, and do what he wants to do, the receivers get open. They've got talented receivers. They can push the ball down the field, and they can have productive plays and everything, but the, they just don't have – he does not have the time right now to do any of that, and we obviously know with with young running backs they're going to struggle there as well. We all knew coming into this game, Zach Anixet in the non-conference, four touchdowns, no interceptions. The way Zach Anixet likes to make – 
throws that are, you know, not exactly safe throws, that was going to change. And it changed yesterday, gets pressure in his face, throws off his back foot, pick six. Fourth down, gets pressure in his face, tries to force it, pick in the end zone. But with these receivers, you mentioned it, I mean, there's obviously reason for optimism. Rashad Bateman, seven for sixty seven for sixty eight and a touchdown. Uh beautiful throw from Zach Anikstead and Rashad Bateman adjusts. I mean, I think the deep ball is still pretty concerning for me and Zach Anikstead. Kirk Sharaka, I give him credit. Minnesota's offensive coordinator continues to dial up deep shots. But at some point, I mean, it, Kirk Sharaka asked him about it this week in terms of are you concerned about the deep ball? And he said, yes, but I also continue to see it in practice. And, you know, we're going to regress to the mean here, hopefully. I mean, you got to start regressing here pretty soon. And, I mean, it's just between the lack of time, Zach Annex did not feeling comfortable the way he would, did in fall camp. And we're also – I'm starting to get to the point where I wonder if the deep ball is going to translate over during fall camp, you know, from fall camp to when plays actually matter on Saturdays. I mean, we saw Mitch Leidner for a couple of years in practice look really good. Right. And then that didn't translate over to the game field. Now, I don't want to put – Zach Anikstead in that Mitch Leidner conversation because I think Zach Anikstead is much more talented with his arm than what Mitch Leidner was. But these Minnesota receivers in that same breath were for as much good as they did yesterday. You saw Kirk Sharaka continue to want to go back to those tunnel screens, and Minnesota kept getting tackle for loss after tackle for loss. I'm not sure why we keep doing that. Well, here's from what I've seen back, the play is there, yet Minnesota's receivers weren't physical yesterday. And they didn't attack the defensive back. So you'd have Rashad Bateman come underneath. If Tyler Johnson just goes out to the defensive back, blocks him, that play's going for for at least 10. But the issue is your receivers, whoever was trying to block it, they weren't physical. They were they looked like freshmen going against 22-year-old grown men, and they didn't want to go out and be physical. And that's a part of playing young players, I guess. But it's it's all diseased, except for you can see some of these young players on offense. I mean, Zach Annex said when he had time, I think he looked decent. I still think he is Minnesota's best option. But if that ankle is going to continue to hinder him throughout the entire season, I mean, the way he's not mobile and the, with putting that in combination with this offensive line giving him zero time, I mean, you have to start to potentially think, is it good for Zach to continue to get just battered around? Right. With, with his, you know, between the combination of him not being healthy, it's offensive line not protecting him. I mean, you might have to start to think about Tanner Morgan, but we'll have to see where Zach Anikstead's health is after this coming into this Iowa game. You know, like to hope he's close to 100%. So Minnesota can get him outside. Minnesota can move him around. But if he's not healthy, I'm a little nervous about that Hawkeye game. Uh, P.J. Fleck earlier called it horrific football. You just said it's all diseased. So we're really hitting, I think, on all sides of the spectrum here today. Um, what do they do if Winfield is out for an extended period of time? I mean, how do they get around that? Already having Rodney Smith out for the season, Shannon Brooks out at least for a little bit uh, longer. I think we might see him sooner rather than later. Um, but I'm curious what you think they do if Winfield is out, who obviously has already shown his importance in multiple ways just on explosive plays, let alone just what he does on a play-in, play-out basis. This would be peak Minnesota sports if the top three players, in my mind, are out for a considerable amount of time. You mentioned Rodney Smith out for the year. Shannon Brooks is going to redshirt this year. He's going to play in four games. The question is, which four games are those? But 
And then if Winfield is out for an extended period of time, I mean, it's just a classic Minnesota sports where we can't have nice things because I think Antoine Winfield is bar none the most important player to that Minnesota defense. The, my, and my point in that is you look at how dynamic Antoine Winfield is for making plays at the line of scrimmage, changing the game as a punt returner, going from him to a true freshman, the drop in play is just significant. And it's no fault to the freshman or whoever has to replace Antoine Winfield, but the drop in play is significant. And you saw that on display yesterday. So where does his defense go? I mean, you're going to have to throw out uh, either Benny Sapp, a true freshman, Jordan Howden, a true freshman. Uh, they played uh, Calvin Swenson, a walk-on that's now on scholarship for about two plays. And on those two plays, Maryland took one of the house. Not sure if that's correlated, but we didn't see Calvin Swenson the rest of the day after the 81-yard house call. It's just you're going from a bunch of experience at Antoine Winfield, a proven playmaker, to you're going to be thrown out a true freshman in the Big Ten who didn't get a lot of reps in non-conference play. And I don't know that you can have high expectations for that. And so that's going to be on Rob Smith to get him ready. It could be on Jamila Dye to get that true freshman ready. But I think that this defense isn't going to be as dynamic as it once was because when you take out your best playmaker, whether you think of Antoine Winfield's punt return, pinball touchdown, Antoine Winfield's uh, game-saving interception, he is their best playmaker on defense. I think he's one of their best tacklers, especially at the line of scrimmage on defense. And now he's not going to be there potentially. Again, I think speculation is is a, is a tough thing to kind of say right now. But as Fleck mentioned, as we've talked about, it was a non-contact foot injury. He's held out immediately for the rest of the game, standing on the sidelines without his helmet. Never a good sign. So you're hoping he's going to be back sooner rather than later. But knowing the way that sports injuries go in this town, probably not going to be too great. Last minute or two with Ryan Burns from GopherIllustrated.com. What else stood out to you in the Big Ten yesterday? Oh, well, I think Purdue being able to come back. Um, 0-3 Purdue team is able to come back and, and play with their hair on fire, play with a sense of urgency, and, and come out and beat a uh, Boston College team that was ranked an undefeated Boston College yep. team. Um, you, you mentioned that Wisconsin and Iowa game. That's what you traditionally think of. That was a great game. Big Ten football is, and that's where I think Minnesota still wants to get to. Now, we talk about the offensive defensive line for Minnesota and how it struggled yesterday. Well, the nice part about it is Minnesota in, in their last recruiting class just signed the highest rated, uh, whoever you want to look at it, Offensive defensive line classes in the last 18 years. So if you believe in that stuff, which I do, I think there's an absolute correlation between finishing high in the recruiting rankings and your performance on the field translating into wins and losses. It's no secret that the people who end up with the best recruiting classes every year are playing for national championships, Big Ten championships. I'm a little concerned about Scott Frost's team. That is an 0-3 team that, you know, I tweeted it out during the game. It could be worse considering Michigan was beating uh, Nebraska 39 to nothing right. midway through the second quarter. So, uh, again, there are still winnable games on the schedule. There, I still think Minnesota can get to a bowl game. I can tell you a plausible scenario. Uh, I don't think Nebraska is anything to write home about. We'll see what Purdue looks like. And it always could be worse when Buffalo comes into Rutgers Jeez. and beats them by 30. I know. I mean, How about that? Rutgers is – I'm feeling a little bit of heat for that head coach out there. But, again, there are still winnable games on the schedule. 
because I think with all the youth and inexperience in this team, Flex talks about how there's 60 freshmen on this team. You're, oh, I, you know, coming into this season, I thought this team was going to be bad on the road just because youth and inexperience traveling. I didn't think it was going to play well. Now you still have a bunch of winnable home games. We're going to see how this team responds in terms to Iowa coming to town. You still have Indiana at home, Northwestern at home, Purdue at home. You still have to take on the fighting Lovey Smiths that I don't think are anything to write home about on the road, but there's still a road to six wins. And that was all my expectation was this year with all the youth on offense and Rob Smith still trying to get his defense acclimated. Now, are expectations going to be raised next year? Because essentially the entire offense returns and most of the pieces on defense return? Absolutely. I think next year we should be talking about eight wins. But that's going to come down to how do these young guys on the offensive line progress? How does Zach Anikstead continue to go through Big Ten play? Is he going to be kept upright? Or are we going to start to see something along the David Carr syndrome, former Texans quarterback, who just continued to play for years and he continued to get hit around. And he was never the same quarterback that the Texans drafted. Now, I hope it doesn't get there. I think that I have confidence in Brian Callahan along the offensive line to get that fixed. But I still think there's reasons to be optimistic. Yesterday, I think if you're, if you're a gopher coach, I just burn the tape, move on to Iowa. But I'm sure that they're going through the tape today, showing these young players what they missed out on. But it is frustrating to go through the start of another Big Ten schedule defense looks good in the non-conference. They're stopping the run. And then come the first Big Ten game, they give up over 300 yards rushing and over 10 yards of carry to running backs. I don't want to say same story, different year, but if Antoine Winfield is out for an extended period of time, I think you're going to be looking at another rough defensive Big Ten schedule for your Golden Gophers. Thanks, Bernsey. We appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks and listen to you on PA. Sounds good. Take care. Ryan Burns, gopherillustrated.com. Talking himself through it, the emotions of Ryan Burns kind of ebbing and flowing there over the last 15, 20 minutes. Final segment, we can take a couple of calls and emails. Gopher Football Sunday wraps up after this. This is Gopher Football Coach PJ Fleck. You're listening to the radio home of Gopher Football, KFAN, Skyuma. Fanball.com slash radio, fanball.com slash radio if you want to get into I think we call it the Take Me to Charge Challenge this week on fanball.com. Free entry, $5 bonus on fanball.com, $30,000 prize pool. You may have heard Charge talking about it all morning on the commercials, but a bunch of us are going to be in. A bunch of us are going to have some teams in it. So go to fanball.com slash radio. You get a $5 bonus and a free entry into a $30,000 prize pool, fanball.com. Slash radio. Well, I think we've effectively tried to pick up the pieces of yesterday's 42-13 loss for the Gophers against Maryland. They fall to 3-1, 0-1 in the Big Ten. And the way Burnsy wrapped it up kind of at the end there is is kind of the same way I feel. To me, really, the same path to a bowl game, if that's your eventual goal, which I think it should be in year two, regardless of how many young players you're playing, um, with the schedule that they had laid out. Uh, this to me was uh, the, the Maryland game was always going to be a swing game in that. You know, I thought the high end for this team this year would be a seven win outfit. I, I'm not sure what the uh, the caller who wanted nine wins was thinking. I, I mean, they've won nine games in like two times in the last 20 years. This was not going to be uh, for me the season where they did it unless a lot of things went their way. Uh, but yesterday, I saw as you know one of those winnable swing games. I mean, I think the line was three going into it. I think Maryland was favored by three. And so to have it play out like it did is certainly jarring and disappointing and did 
shows some big-time concerns moving forward, especially in a week and a half or two weeks, I guess, when Iowa comes in here, and then you've got Ohio State on the road. They look to be decent this year. <laughs> I think they're they're all right. They, they've scored 50 in every single one of their games, so that might be a long afternoon or evening. But <clears throat> you look at uh, the game, the, the winnable games, the, the swing games, as I call them, where that will determine whether you go you know, a four-win team to a seven-win team, for example. Yesterday was going to be one of those for me. They didn't win it, and they weren't competitive. And they certainly saw uh, showed some flaws that could possibly come up in some of these other winnable games. But the path really remains the same. It's beating Indiana here. It's beating Illinois there. It's beating Purdue here. And really the other two swing games this year, I would say, are at Nebraska, which looks awful, which is clearly going through the first-year growing pains that happen at so many colleges, no matter who the head coach is. And Scott Frost is a good coach, right? I mean, he's he's they're going to get that thing going. He's going to recruit well. He's going to bring them back to some kind of relevancy. National champion. But not now. I mean, not at all now. And I think the number is Scott Frost has now lost more games at Nebraska as a head coach than he did as a quarterback. Ouch. Because he's 0-3. But it's it's really that five-game stretch. Nebraska, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, and then Northwestern here. That's kind of going to tell the tale, for me at least, of how this season goes in terms of getting to six, maybe getting to seven, but getting to six to get to a bowl game, I think that is important when you do have a a young group, especially on offense. I I do buy into the fact that it's good experience for them. So that's kind of the way, that's kind of how I roll with it. And the the scariest part, as I said, to open the show and we talked about with Bernsey, is they appear to be much further away up front on both sides than we originally thought. And like I said, Maryland had 90 starts on the offensive line. There's something to that, uh, especially in the Big Ten. When you've got guys that have been through it, they're 20, 21, 22 years old, uh, you saw the difference in that regard yesterday, and they've got to find a way to figure that out. And against true Big Ten teams, a team like Iowa, a team like Wisconsin, a team like Ohio State that's going to be big and going to be physical, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Uh, against the other five that I kind of laid out there, that's to me where the uh, the season is going to be won or lost. Uh, thanks to uh, Ryan Burns. Thanks to Tony Landry. Thanks to Goldie's Locker Room. Thanks, as always, to Kerry Limo. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Go for Football Sunday. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks after the Iowa game for homecoming and uh, hopefully talking about a, a better result than the one that happened yesterday in Silver Springs. You know, what was the other one? Bethesda. Bethesda or College Park. Anyway, Barrero, Sermons, coming up next, then Vikings Football Sunday. This is Gopher Football Coach P.J. Fleck. You're listening to the radio home of Gopher Football, KFAN, Skyuma.